What's going on guys? Welcome to People Playing Games. I'm your host Mike Andronico, and joining me today is a true OG of the fighting game community. Someone who has done it all from competing to reporting to taking a whole lot of awesome pictures. He's a good friend of mine, super happy to have him on. Mr. Chris Bond, how are you doing my friend? Hey, what's going on man? Not too much. Uh, it's It's great to be talking to you again. It's been quite a bit. Yes, thank you for uh, for having me on the show. It's uh, it's definitely a, a, a pleasure to be able to speak with you. It's been very long. Yeah, and and uh, so you and I go way back. I think to to about 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met up just you know because we were both in the fighting game community, making making all kinds of content. I was doing Fight Your Rival. You were doing Put That Back. Uh, mm-hmm. We ended up uh, collaborating a little bit. So yeah, it's been a it's been a while. It's been about five years. We've both. Uh, done a lot since then <laughs> yeah we've definitely been around the block uh, so to speak yeah so uh <laughs> yeah what's uh what's been going on with you lately so uh you know as far as a, a big recap the biggest uh thing that i just finished wrapping up of course was northern and evo which was in the heart of las vegas so that was obviously a tremendous experience just to be able to go out there and anyone that's listening to this that's ever been to Evo or at least been to see it through TV knows that that, that is basically the pinnacle of, of excitement and hype. And uh, this uh, this year was no exception. So, you know, being able to go out there and just to, just have my camera handy. Of course, I didn't go there in the editorial capacity, unlike uh, the previous years uh, when I was doing editorial. But that didn't make my presence any less significant. You know, just to be able to go there and be able to capture things through my lens and hope to be able to tell a story through that particular form of media was uh, was definitely a um, was definitely a nice treat for me. And aside from you know focusing more on photography, was was there anything else that really stood out this year at Evo? Any any special moments? Um, you know, that's a very that's a really good question. I remember before on a previous podcast that I participated in, one of the big things that I was asked to was to talk about was just certain matches that stood out. Now, admittedly. And I was just kind of, I never really stayed in one location more than, I would say, maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes at a time. So just to backtrack, and I'll, I'll focus on really what, what I felt was the the heart of Evo's matches itself was was basically Sunday's finals. And just kind of going in reverse, uh, just seeing a player like Panda Global's uh, Punk basically just advanced through the whole entire bracket uncontested. I mean, this guy, anyone that's ever seen this player in action knows that uh, he's more than just a cutting player and stuff. He's actually gotten to the point where he he actually has a significant staple of, of characters that he just has under his belt. And just be able to just watch this guy in action, I honestly pegged this guy to to potentially walk away and be crowned as the Evo champion. And then lo and behold, one of the five gods, in order to to himself, now representing Fatco Fox, comes in and just says, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, you forgot about me. You know, I'm going to yeah. show you why I am one of the revered Japanese gods. And, you know, and he did that. He just did that in such a confident, just such a well-poised fashion, which, you know, for Punk, you know, just imagine being in his position, just like, look, like I can win this. And then you have this OG, because that's what he is. Oh, for know, sure. Uh, step in and just say, nope, you know, like you shall not pass. I'm taking the crown from you, <laughs> you know. And and it's, it's just crazy. I mean, 
I'm not I'm not upset that Tokido won because I like I love Tokido. He's a phenomenal player. But at the same time, it's great to see someone from you know, from someone from Punk's caliber, you know, new school player as it were. Yeah, he's only in. eighteen or nineteen, I yeah, think. You know, he's he's a young gun. But he's yeah. he's very talented. He's very talented. He's come a long way since uh the time that he's played in the Street Fighter Four era. But, you know, his his uh his road to fame, so to speak, you know, in terms of relative victory, was was cut short by Tokido, and it was just crazy just seeing that whole entire set resetting the bracket and just coming in and just just taking it. It's just like holy cow! It's like, man, are you kidding? You know, this is it's it's just amazing to be able to see that. You know, just to see the type of resolve that Tokido basically had and just be able to do that. And at the same time, it is well well deserved because the previous year leading up into his um. You know his road to the CPT. Uh, one of the matches I'll never forget is when he actually played at e- um, sorry, not Evo CEO, and went against to you know Jesus. I'm forgetting everybody's uh, highlights here. When he went against Infiltration at CEO, yeah, same yep. thing, same exact thing, more or less. Just went there and just says, "Hey, look," you know. He might as well just looked to, uh, Infiltration right in the eye and says, "Hey, look, I got your number," you know, and he yeah. did. And it was because it's kind of interesting and stuff because prior to that, that's what infiltration did to Daigo, and now basically that's what Tiki was doing. But just to you know, just get back to uh, scale back to the um, present day era, that match was just unbelievable. And even though I don't play uh, Smash a whole lot, uh, even those guys and stuff actually had. I mean, their their matches are always pretty interesting, but. Um, I don't know if you actually follow like the Smash community at all. Yeah, a little bit. Keep okay. up with uh with the bigger tournaments. Okay, so you know, of course, you know there was Zero, and Zero is a, is a is a phenomenal player. He actually went in there to go ahead and do his thing, and most people just pegged much, you know, like some of the other guys that I'll talk about briefly. They pegged that this guy was gonna just walk away with it, but then in comes um, MVG's uh, Salem with Bayonetta. Okay. And again, really, really solid player and stuff. But when, if you were to sit down and say, discuss this over dinner with people and say, hey, okay, if these two guys are going to go against each other, who do you expect to win? Zero or Sam? And most people, just because of who he is, would say, oh, zero. Of course, zero is going to win. I mean, he's, right. he's, got a, he's got a phenomenal Diddy Con. He's just really, really talented. This is like, you know, what is Salem going to do? And, but he proved that. He proved yeah. that. He just went in there, he did his thing. You know, obviously he created a couple of upsets along the way, and then he just takes that. He takes that in convincing fashion. That was not a fluke. That guy went no. in there, he went, you know, he showed why he deserved that. So it was just, it's amazing and stuff. And it's good to see this new and up-and-coming talent be able to do that. Um, speaking of which, you know, going into, like, Mortal Kombat, again, same type of thing happened and stuff. I mean, obviously, um, uh, losing my train of thought here. But obviously, uh, Dragon. Dragon has been, you know, somewhat of a household name. You know, he used to play on the same team as um, as Sonic Fox, but he was able to to step in and advance much further in the bracket than Sonic was actually able to do. And of course, he he took it like a champion. He's like, hey, you know what? You can't win them all. But mm-hmm. you know, in in comes uh, Mr. Dragon, we represented for Aquaman and Poison Ivy and stuff, and he was just basically doing that. So. You know, those, those final matches, just in general, I'm not going to go through each one, but those are just some of the ones that basically that stood out. 
And of course, my whole goal there was just to be able to capture some of that hype and capture some of those moments and whatnot. But this year, I decided I wanted to do a little bit differently instead of just making like a, a total player showcase where it's just the players on the sticks and stuff. And, you know, we, we tend to see that a lot and a lot of media these days. And I just said, you know what, I want to switch it up a little bit more. And I just want to make it more just about just the overall event and not focus just so much on uh, a distinct number of, of individual players and stuff. I just wanted to just be um, something that just feels a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah, cap- capturing the emotion of everything and mm-hmm. yeah. the hype and things like that. Absolutely. Awesome. And we are definitely going to talk a lot more about fighting games and tournaments and, and photography and all that good stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. before we go deeper into your career, I actually want to turn things back a bit for our first segment. We're going to get into your gaming history here. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this is called First Favorite Worst. So what I want to know, Chris, is the first game you ever played, your favorite game of all time, and what you think is the worst game you ever played. Oh Jesus! Yeah, uh, always, always a fun one to do. Oh man, I um, I am not gonna go past the the eight bit era because I I don't remember the games that well. Um, but I but I do remember playing games like Atari. I think all of us used to play things like like Breakout and stuff, and like back when those graphics were really cheesy and asteroids and stuff. So. You know, long before a lot of us actually had consoles and stuff, they were, they were, you know, those games existed. But for whatever reasons, which I can't recall, you know, for the for this particular podcast episode, uh, my parents just would not invest in the console at all. So mm. my real true gaming, uh, like diving into that and stuff, into the foray, so to speak, wasn't until the, the dawn of the NES era. So when that came out, because I remember running up the block, trying to just get any little bit of gaming time that i could like playing mario brothers or back when like you remember those machines where you, you used to be able to play for a limited time oh yeah and you could pick a certain amount of games and it was just like oh man there's mario and it was excite like mm-hmm. and i used to always try to get into mario it's like man i just wish i could just complete that on one credit of course that's almost impossible to do um so i was really happy when the nes finally came out you know and it's available uh for you know, for basically for consumers to be able to invest. And I was like, okay, great. Now I can sit there. I can play Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers rather, for as long as I want. Or at least so I thought when my parents and stuff wanted to tell me to do the chores. So <laughs> so I would play that. And, uh, you know, it was really good. And obviously after that, I jumped on to like the Genesis. And, uh, and my first game there was Sonic. I remember beating that in two days. And people thought I was crazy. He says, how the heck did you do that? <laughs> so, um yeah, so that was definitely like my like officially one of my first real games that I played as far as in the home. So the next question you asked me was um, was my favorite game. Yep. Okay. Favorite game, man. It's it's, it's always see, a tough one be, for people. See, I want to be lame and just be, and just like take a, like a cop out and just say uh, they're all tied between this game and that game, but um, man. If it makes you feel better, most most people I've had on have usually picked two. So I'll, yeah, I'll allow yeah, that. You know, I, feel, I, I feel like I need to pick two. And as as much as I loved Mario and getting like the one-ups, um, Sonic totally stole my heart. I, I really have to give that to him. Like it was just it was just something about those games when Sega made that. You know, the level design was just phenomenal. I just loved the music, especially like the uh, the underwater levels and whatnot. 
you know, it was just like, it's like, it's iconic, you know? Yeah. So that was really near and dear to my heart, even after I beat it in a couple of days and whatnot. But I do have to give a shout out um, to Metal Gear Solid. It's just because I've always liked Hideo Kojima's stuff. And that was the only game at the time that really got me into narratives as much as like Ninja Gaiden was cool. But there was just something about Hideo's games when he started that and, you know, created this whole new series that uh, basically spun off of uh, off the original games, Metal Gear Solid for NES and MSX. You know, I was like, man, th- this is phenomenal. Can I have more of this, please? Because mm-hmm. I love this. I can't get enough. So, yeah, I definitely have to acknowledge uh, Metal Gear Solid. I would say that that's definitely up there with Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, for the worst game. Damn. Um, worst game ever that I've played, huh? Yep. Hmm. Worst game. Man, I definitely played some stinkers and stuff. I'm not going to yeah, throw any it's... companies out of the bus <laughs> and say, I hate your game, but um, oh, I almost wish I could just go down to genres and stuff. Then I could probably easily come up with a couple of stuff. Um, I would probably say Rise of the Robots. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I would probably have to say that. You know, as, as, you know, as cool as the concept was, you know, I just felt that the controls were like janky and stuff. It just wasn't, you didn't really have this huge uh, roster of people and stuff. Of course, at the time, you know, if you were able to get eight to 12 characters, like you were good. But, you know, out of all the fighting games I had played around that era, uh, I will never forget when I picked it up and I, I wanted the game to be good, but I was like, this is trash. I was like, why, why am I playing this? I was like, yep, <laughs> don't want to play this anymore and stuff. So, yeah, the purge out from my memory now. Yeah, I, it's funny now that now that you mentioned that, I'm just like the memories of that game are flooding back. Yeah, yeah, and it, like it just wasn't good. <laughs> no, like I, you know, I, I played it because it was a fighting game. Yeah, uh, but that that was really it. It was it was not very good at all. No, it it wasn't. You know, like uh, so many other games are more that were just nice to play, like Batman and Blast the Master and whatnot. And then like lo and behold, it was like here's Rise of the Robots, and I'm like, okay, this could be cool. I like robots, you know, because of Terminator and whatnot. So yeah. I was like, "All right, this game should be good, right?" Nah, that 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 was a big stinker. Maybe they'll get some developer to reboot it. That that would be, be, the, be nice. I've been waiting. It'll be the new tournament game. It'll actually you know, uh, you know be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you uh, you set me up perfectly here because uh, speaking of fighting games, you know, you are best known as a member of the fighting game community. Obviously, we were just talking about Evo and some of the work you did there on your photography. So. I want you to take me back to the beginning. Uh, when did you first get involved with the fighting game community? Um, it's a very good question. So my my real exposure to the FGC um, didn't really happen until like the the early nineties. Um, prior to that, obviously, Street Fighter launched around nineteen eighty nine. And it finally came out on on the SNES, so it was like cool. Now I can sit down and play Street Fighter with my buddies. And you know, at that time, I you know I thought that I was good. You know, most of us usually thought that we were good. We played our friends, and we we uh, you know we kicked their butts around, and we sent them home. And I used to have a lot of people that would um, that would come to the house and that I would play. And then eventually, as you know, once I got a little bit older and stuff, you know, I was you know then allowed to to you know to travel downtown. 
And I used to spend a lot of time uh, playing with a lot of friends that I ended up meeting. Some of them that are actually still around, you know, even though there's someone in the background. And that was Broadway Arcade. So Broadway Arcade was was cool and stuff because that that helped me to get exposed to a much broader amount of talent. And around the time when I actually went there, uh, Street Fighter Alpha 2 was was available as people were still playing ST. You know, and this was a time and stuff when people really were not fond of throws. So if you not, if you did that, you got your ass beat. So yeah, I've um, heard so many stories about those days. Yeah, like you, sure, I'm not even like kidding. You, if you did that, you were putting yourself at huge risk to get beat down. Like people would just be like, "Yeah, you want to step outside," and if you end up doing that, you probably didn't come back in. So you know, you you basically just had to at, at that time. Like people, people talk about um, thuggery. No, thuggery was real back then. You know, you did not throw people or at least certain people because you, you probably would get curb stomped like Gears of War. Um, so, um, you know, I, I had to, I had to find other ways to be creative without doing that because I just, you know, even though to some degree I could hold my own, there were a lot of people that were at least double my weight as well as my my, my personal size. So I was like, OK, I don't want to get stomped. You know, like I value my life and I value my face. So, uh, you know, I'm just not going to do that. So I had to find other ways to, you know, to get wins. And for the few games that I played, you know, at that time, you know, sometimes I would dab into like the Soul Calibur and whatnot. But I always had an affinity for the, for the Capcom games, mostly like, you know, Alpha and, um, and ST. And I, I dabbed into a little bit of X, X-Men Street Fighter. And then, of course, Street Fighter movie was there. But um it got to a point where where eventually that arcade was not um, was not open anymore. I remember that um, something happened with management, and then I remember for a time they eventually were going to to relocate, but it took a while for that to happen. So so you know we were kind of lost. We we're like, okay, so where are we gonna go? So a few people went to the Port Authority over around Forty uh, Second. Some people went down to Thirty Fourth Street, though that that wasn't really thriving as much, and. I used to wonder, I was like, okay, well, how am I going to, how am I going to stay like current? How am I going to be able to, you know, to, to, to level up in a sense, so to speak. And eventually I, I found my way down to Chinatown Fair and I never used to travel that far. You know, I barely even knew where this place was at. And this was like way down in Canal Street, of course, as you know. And I was like, Jesus, Chinatown. I was like, I'm like, I'm not familiar with this area. And it's just like, I, I wonder if it's, is is it safe <laughs> you know yeah like should i should i be going down there i said this is kind of far because i i just never went deep into chinatown so i was always a little leery about that but bottom line is a lot of us migrated down there and uh the first time i went there and stuff i, I think it was before i used to come on fridays and i used to go with a couple people at the time i, I ran into a guy named uh, oj and oj was like really good with uh with a buki and then there was another guy named flash uh, aka john gordon and some of the other people that i met from Bory arcade and i remember at the time meeting a few people one of them happened to be henry and uh, i remember getting stomped and stuff among a couple other guys and and i was you know it was very humbling because i kind of went in there with a bit of trip on my shoulder and i remember having that trip for many years and i was like okay like shit I, i'm actually not that good and these guys just proved that they proved that i need to level up and then it was basically around that time because I know I dragged this out. So basically around that time where I was just like, okay, not only do I need to level up, but I would really like to see if I could, if I could do more. So eventually, after I started to mingle with a couple of people, which this was around the time when Eddie Lee was involved, um, and he was coming up. Justin, Justin hadn't started coming in just yet. Eventually, you know, he would show up 
So this was around the time when Eddie Lee was, he was the Justin Wong for the era, so to speak. Okay. So when I went there, um, a lot of them basically used to go to these tournaments over in Jersey. So it wasn't until I started to migrate over there and take like the, um, Jesus, what was it? The Metro, I think it was like the Metro North or whatever train. And we basically would take that and we would go over to the Nunland for, uh, um, the tournaments that they had over at the eight and break. And we came to find out that they used to do these things uh, like weekly. So I believe it was like on a Tuesday. So imagine like a bunch of us getting together at, uh, you know, trying to get there by eight o'clock and then like leaving the arcade around like just a little after 12. Um, so that was interesting and stuff because, uh, you know, I was trying to level up there. And a few times I actually did manage to, to break into the top five. So like that was like really exciting for me and, and such. And that's when I started to really just crave more of this, um, this desire to be even more competitive and just to, to get better. So it was great because the Aiden Break was also the home for ECC, which was known as uh, East Coast Championships. And um, yep. after, after I did that for a couple of years and stuff, I was just like, man, like, you know, these are cool and stuff. Because I didn't really get to travel as much as I, you know, as I started to do over the years. So my my longest commute for traveling was um was basically over at ECC so i would basically do that but over the years um once i started to get really um good friends with like arturo and italy and and a much broader amount of uh people in the competitive circuit we uh came into contact with uh, with big e who ran uh, his his tournaments and stuff? He was starting up things at University Pinball, and at the time, I believe it was called it, it actually was called NEC, and this was like really new. It was just like man, it's like we've never we've never heard of this guy Biggie. We've never been down to Philly, <laughs> um, but it sounds cool, you know. Like, what do we have to lose? I guess we can go down here. So I went there and stuff, and that again was another humbling moment because I expected that my Chun Li was going to be able to hold, you know, hold my own and stuff because I had managed to do that for a couple of years and stuff, and uh, down at the local arcade playing against, you know, many of the Asian players and some of the other local talent. Um, so after I basically did that, you know, I, I came I came into contact with like a really big rival. His name was uh, James Page, which I actually gave him the name uh, uh, Baltimore Chun, which is now just referred to as B Chun. And so that was really humbling and stuff because when I played against this guy, he just had such a, a very unorthodox way of playing Chun. He basically had a no holds bar, I know scare, as uh, Chris Hu would say, you know, just kind of oh, yeah. went in there and just he would just do his thing. And it was because of him. Uh, and, and also with, with my ego <laughs> that basically <laughs> prevented me from, from advancing as far as I did because I was like, man, I, I could take this. I could I could break into the top three and whatever. But like I, I ran to this guy and he was like, no, like that's just not happening. So uh, he st- he stopped me from getting to where I want. I believe I ended up finishing uh, fifth place or whatnot. But so many people had pegged me to like, they win it. There's like, come on, man, you can't beat this guy. And I was like, no, I don't know why I can't beat this Baltimore chun player and stuff like i just like i don't get it you know so i remember being like really salty but it was cool because um it it taught me that you know there's always somebody better and there's always going to be someone that is going to have a different way of playing and stuff so you know i continued to do that over the years um at, at one point and stuff you know we had that dark era and um i was just like man there's no more there's no more street fighter and stuff you know by then street fighter 3 had had been out and of course, I had missed the Evo moment live and stuff, but I do remember my last big Evo moment before I like kind of disappeared 
was back in 2002. And 2002, that's when I actually, I met Boss for the very first time. Uh, they showed up to bang the machine uh, at, at the actual event, which is pretty awesome. You know, uh, rest in peace to, you know, to the, to the documentary and stuff because not, not a lot of people never got to see it. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool and stuff, you know, because I got to, you know, to rub shoulders with even, a, a, you know, a much bigger circuit amount of people. It was the first time I had traveled that far for an event of that scale. This was be, this is before it became what we know now as Evo. But it was cool and stuff because uh, that's when, by that, by this point, I had already known Seth Killian uh, relatively well. Uh, guys like Chris Lee, the, the Cannon Brothers, just like, because they usually actually come over uh, to help um, help Todd Dwyer actually with, you know, running like the brackets and stuff like that. They would come over and do a couple of things. So, um, yeah, when I was just there, it was just great being able to play people in ST. That was my first time being in what we we now refer to as like the the death bracket, you know. I remember the, one of the evil cards they actually had was, uh, it was just all black. I wish I still actually had it, but... I remember we were all there. Like, oh, which you know, which pool are you in? Oh, you're in the death bracket. And it was just like, <laughs> you know, these guys, you know, these were like literally the killers. Like it was Daigo and and Valle and stuff. And I was just sitting there, it's just like shit, man. I, I feel like a sheep thrown to the wolves. Like there's no way I'm coming out on top and stuff. But it was just like, you know, it is what it is. At least I can say, you know, I played I played with some of the revered players and whatnot, people that were highly respected and such. But um, yeah, after that, I t- I took some time away. You know, I stepped away, and it was it was actually ten years to date, um, and that's around a time where eventually I ended up meeting you um, at some point, and I came back in, and the FGC was very different. Yeah, you know, the FGC was very different and stuff. That now streaming was 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 actually something that was becoming more common. It was just around the the time and stuff where people were just beginning to to learn about uh, people brands, you know, that are now iconic like James Spooky. You know, and then Bifuteki and stuff. When I came up, if you wanted to hear an event, unless that was actually recorded and then uploaded, that was how you watched events. Now you had live streaming. So coming into that and seeing these guys doing commentary, it was like literally I was a man out of time. And I was just right. like, man, I was like, like, this is crazy. And I had wanted to try to find a way to be involved because my only editorial involvement was... Um, writing a few articles here and there one of them actually got featured in game fan and such but i had wanted to do something more because at that time i was still moonlighting doing editorial work i did some stuff with ign game spy uh one but at the time we really didn't have a lot of people covering like the way you see things covered now so when i came back in i was just like man i gotta find something to do like i want to do something i i don't really think i want to compete as much even though i tried it you know that's when i Rands of guys like Wolf Crone and whatever. I, I remember getting body on stream by, uh, uh, I think it was Mag- Magneto, Magman. We actually referred to him as Magman. Yes. And stuff. So I remember playing him, and um, and it was just interesting and stuff because Street Fighter Four, like I played it hardcore, but then when I actually went to play in a tournament, my very first tournament offline, when I came back was Civil War Four. And so after I did that for a bit, and I like met guys like Wolf Crone. I was still sitting there like, what? I was like, um, what am I going to do? I was like, I yeah. need to do something. And I, I don't think that competing is really what I should do like 24-7. So that's, uh, that's when I kind of got the idea to explore and try media. And it was actually the funny story about that. The um, I, I'll try to make it abbreviated. The funny story about that it was that I was... 
I was talking to someone that was uh, basically like uh, doing what we used to do, which is basically was being a videographer and a host. Mm-hmm. And he tried to do some stuff. I gave him some, a bit of advice because I remember doing some stuff before when I went to E3, um, just within that interim and stuff when I had like disappeared. And it was after that, I remember coming back home and seeing um, seeing something that was called Boss. God, why well, can't I remember it? I think it was called Boss Fight TV or something like that. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I feel, like, it was, I feel like I've seen that channel. Yeah, so it was. Uh, I think it was like Boss Fight TV. It was something that basically uh, was done in conjunction with like Alex Jabaley, which at the time I hadn't really met him in person, or at least I had only known of him online. But the short story with that was, I saw it and I said, "Man, that's cool! Like, you know, these guys are are doing videos, and you know, and, and they're putting up on this thing called YouTube. Like, that's fascinating." I was like, I, "I wish I could do something like that." So I remember trying to do something with them uh, for whatever one reason or another. Things didn't work out, and I just said, "You know what?" I went back home. Um, after going to East Coast Throwdown, and I think probably around that time was maybe when we probably might have met and such. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to pinpoint the exact event. I know it was sometime in 2012. East Coast yes. Throwdown actually might have been it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know the readers are probably like, "Oh my God, we just go through time," <laughs> you know. But it's like, I know. <laughs> obviously, I don't have everything bullet pointed and stuff. But I try I try to keep it on track. But I do remember after after. Um, after Civil War, I, I did a couple of tournaments. One of them just happened to be the Big E tournaments and stuff because you used to be like, eh, you know, you're going to come out. And I was like, all right, you know, all right, Big E, I'll, you know, I'll come down. <laughs> That's a know. great Big E impression for any for <laughs> anyone know? that knows Big E. <laughs> yeah, you know, so he was like, yeah, man, you're going to come down to Philly. You know, I was just like, all right, you know, like, sure, I'll come out. And yeah, then, come on, Chris. Uh, you know, come on, Chris, you know, do it for the players. You know, so I was like, all right, you know, I, I was like, why not? You know, I'll come out there, I'll do stuff. Right. Um, and then, of course, you know, there was L.I. Joe, you know, which um, p- prior to me, like, showing up, I had never heard of East Coast Toronto. I wasn't sure what these guys were doing, but it was cool because I got to reconnect with um, with Joe. And reconnect was actually loosely cause, because he, he came into a time where I think at the time where I might have moved away, I think by that point, I probably had left New York and I had moved to Connecticut. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when I came in there and stuff, I only like kind of loosely knew who he was. And I remember meeting like his, uh, his, his partner in crime, so to speak, which was, um, which was John Gall- Gallagher, basically, AKA sweet Johnny cage and yep. stuff. But, it, but it was cool basically doing it because it was at that actual tournament where the brand that you now know has, has put that back. That's when that really came to be because I was trying to take interviews that I was going to create that time. And I went to put them somewhere and I needed a platform and like I said, things just didn't work out. So I went back home and my brainstorming. I said, you know what? I'm just going to create something myself. So I'll sit down. I'll come up with a scheme. I'll come up with this name. And I kind of just came up with a name that was really a catchphrase between friends. And um, and then lo and behold, I ended up doing that. And that's what really started, you know, this path of getting into media and just wanting to be a host and being a videographer and, and, and whatnot. The photography didn't take off until a couple of years later. Because I had felt that I had, in a sense, almost did it all. You know, I just felt that, you know, I, I had did that enough and I needed to explore something more. You know, I had already interviewed, you know, Daigo. I had talked to K-Brad, which, you know, at that time and stuff, he was he was still up on the rise. He wasn't nearly as huge as he is now. Like now, now he is a household name, you know. 
when mm. I was talking to a lot of these guys, a lot of them were still coming up. You know, I still have videos that now, you know, which is good for uh, for history, you know, or rather historic reasons to look back and say, holy, you know, holy cow, I had no idea this guy had these insights and stuff. And you name it, I talked to them, Dominion. And I think at one point I talked to uh, Javits and stuff like that at some point or another. Um, oh, if, yeah. I, if I didn't, then I, then, then I apologize. But the, the bottom line is if you can name players that were around, there's a good chance I talked to them. And if I hadn't talked to them, you had talked to them. <laughs> so yeah, one pretty way much, or another, yeah. me, you know, me and you, uh, you know, me with Fight Your Rival, you would put that back. We were kind of, yeah. at the time, like, you know, two of the bigger, you know, YouTube YouTube channels covering the FGC. So, right. yeah, we, right. we would just right. interview so, yeah. everybody, every event. Yeah. Like, hey, you want you want to interview? Great, sit down, let's go. You know, and we just we just went in there, we did, and we had fun. Um, but eventually, I decided I was like, hey, you know what? I've I've you know I've done this. Like, what is next? And I figured, you know, I invested in this fancy camera. The least I could do is actually learn how to use it for what it really is. It's a camera. It's not just you know for video. Um, so that that took a little bit of time and exploration to get into it. You know, getting familiar with terms like aperture and ISO, you know, th- those terms were foreign to me. And it was really humbling to to rub shoulders against other people that had been doing it and had, I would say, had a little bit better understanding than I did at the time. They were just able to make things sharper. So that that really told me, I was like, okay, I have to really sit there. It was, it was basically like hitting the lab. And I was like, I really just have to sit there and get more of the basics. I have to get a better understanding, you know, because I told myself, I says, mark my words. I says, one day, you know. One day I'll be on the stage, you know, one day I'll be a person where I could go to this particular TO or whatever and say, hey, can I work with you? And then, you know, potentially even get compensated because I, at the time, I felt really weird about asking, you know, to, to, to be paid. I was just like, I don't think I'm good enough, but I would at least just like to be on the stage. And they, a lot of them are like, eh, you know, like, it's good, but it, it's not like phenomenal, you know? Right. So I had to really just go back in there and just like, just kind of just like hone the skills. Just really get a better understanding and be able to caption them like in a way that you see them now. And um, you know, just just to, just to recap everything. You know, when I look at where I've been, you know, of course I don't have a mastery of it and stuff. I didn't go to school, but oh, you're, so you're completely self-taught, right? I'm I'm, I'm entirely self-taught, believe it or not. Um, but I'm really fortunate that the tournaments that I did go into, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge guys like you know like Biggie and stuff because. You know, he never used to charge me and stuff to go in there and, and shoot the events and stuff. He used to be like, yeah, man, you know, go ahead and, you know, take the photos and do that. And I was like, all right, you know, cool. So, you know, it, even if I one day became like super, super big, I, I, I can't forget my roots. I can't forget the people where I initially started. Mm-hmm. And and Biggie's tournaments definitely was where I had that platform to just, you know, to train, so to speak. And then after I started to travel a little bit more, you know, because I remember going to... Um, I think I think it was PAX actually. I went to PAX, very first PAX in Boston. I had no idea that PAX was launching these events up there. So um, you know, I was just like, man, I was like, where the heck have I been? So I remember going down there, and you know, I ran into De Bailey. Finally, I met him and stuff, and he extended the invitation to you know come down there and you know work with him and just shoot you know shoot CEO you know among some of the other people that were there. And it was basically after that, I kind of just started branching a little bit more because, you know, I love traveling, you know, I hadn't really done that much yeah. traveling since, um, since E3. So after that, I just, I just, I, my passion just took over. I was just like, what else is out there? Where else can I go? 
So I just started exploring and looking at that. And at the time, you know, I still had like the blog. I was still doing stuff. But I was still trying to develop this media side, you know, just really develop the skill set for that. And, um, yeah, here I am now and stuff, you know. I've, I, I have like a number of events under my belt, you know, that I've been able to do. It's still freelance and such. But, you know, a lot of pictures that you personally have seen, um, if, you know, they – I, I – I'm really just humbled when I would see people like use them as their profile shots. I became even more humbled when those photos um, were being featured in very prominent organizations like Red Bull. And then, of course, you have the grassroots sites like Shoryuk and the Event Hubs, which, you know, between those two sites now, they consistently use the work and such. And then there's been a few things which, is, which has been on ESPN. And then, you know, I even got the work with DreamHack last year, DreamHack Austin and stuff. So it's just, it's crazy. And so to sort of look at where where I've been. You know, do I still play fighting games? Yeah, I still play fighting games and stuff, but I just really just love the creative side and just to see how far that's come. Yeah, and that is an awesome story. It's like the real-life version of Ryu and Street Fighter. <laughs> you know, yeah. starting off at the arcades, just kind of battling every week, improving, you know, becoming part of the scene. You you uh, took some time off. You grew your uh, hot Ryu beard. Yeah, And then yeah. you came back a little bit buffer, and then, uh, yeah, you just kind of evolved everything into into what you're doing now. That yeah, is so. That is so awesome. It was so, really deep. <laughs> yeah, try my best to you know make an analogy, make it make it sound make it sound hype and dramatic. No, definitely, definitely. The heart, <laughs> so, the heart of battle. So uh, somewhere along the way, you know, all this great editorial uh, work you did uh, led you to a uh, to a gig at PVP Live, which actually yes. that that job moved you down to Texas. So, yes. uh, what was that whole experience like? So, um, so that was really interesting because uh, a lot of people don't know what really my day job was, which was, you know, it was really flattering when most people just assumed that my day job was being in media. Right. Know? But I actually worked, you know, I worked in wireless sales. I actually worked at Verizon and I did that for, for almost 10 years yeah. you know, consistently. Um, and what ended up leading me to that is because I had finally reached a point. I, you know, I'll never forget the story. Um, I had just finished wrapping up uh, my trip with CEO, and I just remember coming back home and going back in, you know, the nine to five, so to speak, and just this feeling, just blah, you know. Um, and so I remember telling myself, I was just like, man, I was like, I, I need to do something else. And my manager at the time, he's like, oh, you know, you're just feeling the effects because, you know, it was, uh, you know, you just got back from vacation. I was like, no, like, I I really don't want to do this anymore. Like, I just, like, I just don't feel it. Like, I just reached a point somehow. Something just says, hey, get out. And I remember coming home and... um the person that I actually had came into contact with, um, he also had like a stint at the time. He was working with a company uh, that was known as Esports Max. Mm. And uh, that unfortunately didn't work out too well and stuff, you know, uh, f for different reasons like behind the scenes. So he ended up getting this gig at PvP Live and stuff. And, um, you know, I was happy for him. Of course, you know, his, his, I'll name drop. His name was Dustin Steiner. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, okay. You know, I was like, that's cool. You know, you're doing well for, you know, yourself. And I was like, you know, what's going on with this, with this thing at PvP Live? And he was like, oh, well, you know, we're just, you know, doing things with, uh, you know, the Hearthstone, um, you know, HPL rather for short. You know, he was like, we're doing that. And, you know, we have our streamers. And, you know, at some point, you know, we're going to expand. We're going to do editorial and stuff. He was just like, you know, 
I was wondering maybe if you would want to come on board. And it was it was just funny how that all developed because it was like that's what I needed to hear. You know, right. there was this opportunity just to do something else, but it was so it's like serendipitous, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, exactly di- what it's exactly what you wanted at the time. Yeah, it, it was just crazy and stuff. But for me to just make this big leap and stuff, you know, in a sense, I almost felt it was like radical. And I was like, man, right. are you serious and stuff? You know, I'm just gonna just gonna jump into that because as I as the conversation started to to take shape, you know, I came to find out that this was going to require me to make a life altering change. Literally, it, yeah. you know, it wasn't something I was going to do freelance. It meant okay, if you want this job. Okay, you got it, but you know you would have to relocate. And I just remember this leading up to that and talking to the CEO at the time and talking to the content director and feeling somewhat nervous. Just in spite of all my experience, you know, I always throw it out there casually. Yes, I worked for IGN. Yes, I have this many roots and stuff in the community. Yes, 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 yes. Though even though there was a part of me that almost felt like, you know, I don't deserve this job. You know, like you got guys like James Chen. You have Ski Sonic. You know, right, you have like right. Alex Valle. Heck, you have Prague. You know, why, why would they want to hire me? You know, so I was almost like psyching myself out, you know, I was like, man, am I really like fit for this type of job? But I remember polishing off my cover letter and then, you know, impressing enough that I was able to sit down and have this conference call. And, um, and, you know, after we talked about money and whatnot, that's when they, they got me to be aware of it. It's like, okay, if you do this, you know, you're going to have to relocate, you know, to work here. And, I was just like, man, that's that's crazy, and so because I had gotten to, you know, so adjusted to living here, I was like, okay, am I really ready to do that? And obviously, I did that. So that was cool and stuff because it uh, it helped to open my eyes to where the editorial world was now in the current day era and stuff. I hadn't really done any major editorial gigs for like anything that was prominent at mm-hmm. the time, you know, since I had been with you know like IGN and stuff and being a freelancer. So to be able to do this and be, uh, you know, representing a new brand, it was just, it was very, um, it was very eye-opening for many reasons stuff because now people were just getting used to their own household names and it's just like, well, what's PvP Live? Like, what is that? And so, you know, I got to run around and kind of be like, almost like a brand ambassador and try to get the FTC exposed to these guys and help them understand, you know, why did she give us a chance and stuff? Because you know better than I do, there's this, you know, certain entities that were actually out there at the time that, you know, the FTC felt that they weren't being properly represented. And I had, or was already familiar with that having done interviews, Yeah. but it was, it was just, it was a cool experience. Cause like I said, you know, it allowed me to stretch my legs, so to speak, get more an editorial and cover the scene in a way that I hadn't really been able to do before. But, you know, now I had the backing of this, of this organization that actually was a startup. Um, you know, they hadn't been around for, you know, like 10, 20 years, like, you know, like some of the other brands, but, they seem to have like this really good vision as far as uh, just to cover cover esports in a way that hadn't been done before, and just be able to have a nice amount of uh, you know a nice solid group of professional people, and be able to have video and, and just do stuff. So yeah, that that was pretty much it in a nutshell. Was it was it hard adjusting to Texas life? Um, I mean, yeah, it was because um, <laughs> I mean, for, for one, I expected that. Uh, that it was going to be more country, but really the way it was, it honestly, in some ways, felt very similar to to where I'm at actually now, which was, uh, you know, which is over in, in Connecticut. Um, 
what I just didn't expect was just actually, at least for where I was at, just how pleasant everybody was. You know, everyone was just very, very hospitable and just warm, you know. And it's it's a huge, it's a huge contrast from, you know, I guess basically the East Coast. <laughs> you yeah. know, I feel like a lot of people were just like, no, like, F you for this. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, I was like, okay, you know, that, that that's interesting. But just adjusting just because it, it was so far. And I actually, I made a road trip. You know, I didn't like fly down there. I literally got the car, oh, wow. packed it up, and and I think it took at least a good two or three days for you know for me to get down there. So it was just it was crazy to be able to to do all that and just to be able to say that I did. You know, looking back and stuff, I still can't believe that I went ahead and did that because you know I hadn't really done anything quite as crazy as that other than when I just went from New York to Connecticut. But now mm-hmm. I was literally going cross country. I don't feel like going to New York to Connecticut is the same thing. That's kind of like almost going up the block. This was like really right, going right. across the country. So I was like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, when you look back at your time there, is there a certain uh, specific story or a certain moment that really stands out while you're at PVP Live? Um, there were there were a lot of moments and um, and such that I could probably recall. Um one of my more uh, fun moments was actually the, the video that I did for Evo. Um, where it was basically, it was the 10 things, you know, that you must have. And I had really loved that. Oh, that, was, that, was a, that was a fun video. Yeah, I watched that. that. You know, that was just, it was cool because, you know, a lot of people in the FTC, they, um, unless they like, they sit down with me and they have like a drink or whatever, and they get to really talk to me they don't really get to, to know like the real me. And so to be able to see that a lot of people, they just, they personify me to be a certain way or sound a certain way and whatnot. And then you see this video and it's like, wow, you know, like bonded that, you know, this is, this is, this is crazy and stuff that he actually would, he could just come over like that, you know, cause it literally was like acting, you know, that's basically yeah. what it was. And, you know, I don't have any spoken lines, so everything was just facial expressions and you know meanwhile i had my colleague there you know jeff west you know just making everything because you know we were trying to make this like this this almost like this cheesy 1940 1950s you know black and white video in a sense <laughs> and uh and i'm just you know i'm just expressing everything everything's like just improv and such and i remember when we were putting this all together and just like you know um basically just doing the whole storyboard and the choreography it's just like, man, okay, so I don't have any lines, so I just have to just use my hands and just have my expressions. And we didn't have to do a whole lot of takes and stuff for a lot of stuff. Some things I just kind of nailed, like, on the first go, and other ones are just like, okay, let's just tweak that one a little bit more or just do that. And then when it was all just put together, it's just like, you know, like it's still out of everything else that I've done there. Um, that was still, like, my, my most favorite video, you know, just to do that. Um so every now and then I'll go back and I'll look at it and stuff. You know, I, I love the ending, you know, like grabbing the fireball because I, I felt that that video at the, at the end just really represented what I've always felt was near and dear to my heart, which was fighting games. So I just really love that we just had that touch where I just get to challenge the fireball, even though my main is Chun-Li, you know, and she would draw a Kyokin, but I'm not. <laughs> she, she throws fire. She throws, she, she throws fireballs. fireballs, but not the way I was yeah. doing. I was challenging you, which, you know. Not Hadoukens. I, I, I used to play, you know, Shoto's anyway, so it was all good, but. <laughs> no, that that was that was definitely one of the most fun things that I did there. Um, the other great thing was just being able just to write the articles that I did. You know, there's a number of um, articles that I did that uh, basically people had 
considered to be like an elder statesman, you know, talking and with like the, the state of address and such. So it was really great to be able to do that, to be able to have the voices I did. And then periodically just be able to step in and say, hey, okay, so, you know, we had this article. Now go in there, you know, get the video and present it like, you know, guys do on IGN and Screen Rant and whatnot. So, yeah. Awesome. And, you know, obviously the company PVP Live looks like it's going through some changes right now. Yes. You know, you're no longer with them. You're back here on the East Coast. Yes. Um, could you talk at all about that transition? So, um like even though I'm not on NDA and stuff, from from what I gather, because I know I know very little, from what I gather, the company is looking to to do some rebranding and and such. And you know that happens from time to time. Many companies and stuff, they look at stuff, they analyze what they really need to do. And so from you know from my understanding is that they're going to you know come up with something new. They're going to launch like a, a new platform uh, as to what it's going to cater to. That I, that I don't really know. Uh, I'm not really sure as to where they're going to go with that, um, on how much they're going to integrate content, but I'm pretty sure that they're not going to, you know, like abandon content, you know, for good. But I see this as a way where the company has been around for a number of years and has done editorial and they have a lot of data. And now it's just like, okay, now that we have that, you know, how, how can we take our branding and our vision and present it in a way that is still going to be resourceful not only for our existing you know uh, you know demographic but the ones that we're actually trying to attract so i would say long story short i would say that it's probably something where they might you know do something that's involved with competition and such um you know i remember they were trying to do stuff with hbl different things and uh didn't pan out and you know for one reason or another so for, so who knows you know they might re be revisiting that in some capacity and then have content and whatnot um, you know, uh, they just leaked this new, uh, this new logo and such, which, uh, yeah. looks a little bit more user-friendly and stuff and a little bit more, um, you know, a little, little bit more hip and, and such. And, you know, they have the different scheme, which, you know, kind of harkens, you know, to you know, Discord slash, you know, Twitch, you know, those different type of color schemes. So it's, it's a really interesting, uh, change, you know, it's just, you know, to be able to do that, especially with the year not you know, not even being over and stuff, and they were basically going through that. But, you know, I do know that the people that are there, you know, they've always valued being in, uh, being in, in, in a, how can I, how can I word this? I would say that basically the, the goal is to, is to just try to stay ahead of the game. You know, when you yeah, look at, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it is hard. Media is really hard. Yeah, it's definitely really hard. Um, you know, you, you look at so many websites that are actually out there. A lot of them are just like clawing off of the same thing when it comes to content and such. And, you know, and I can relate to that because long before I joined PvP Live, you know, I, I, I did like multiple uh, websites. And, you know, a few of them and stuff were uh, end up evolving to now what we refer to as blogs. And, you know, it's, it's really challenging, especially these days, to come up like, you know, unique content or just to have a niche to say, okay, why should we go to your website? You know, and these days it has to just, it generally has to be something more than to say, well, look, I have content and stuff because, you know, you can go to so many other places and stuff. So when you can actually still have that and then have something else that you can actually offer that gives you an edge, then that's what's going to make you stand out more. And so ultimately I feel that's what PV, PVP Live is, is going to do. Uh, they're going to roll it out and, you know, and hopefully that works out. And if not, then they'll either try something new or they can say, hey, look, you know what? We gave it our best shot. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's brutal out there trying to trying to stand out. There's so many sites, and there's there's just you know there's only so much content people can take in at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, you you definitely accomplished a lot while you were there. I think I think you know PvP Live was a pretty cool thing at the time that you guys were all there. Yeah, and uh, you know now now looking forward, what's kind of next for you? You have any any specific goals or any specific projects? Well, um, you know, one of the things I had decided uh, to do was to not not allow my photography to really fall by the wayside as to how I still intend to keep that involved with esports. You know, that kind of remains to be seen and stuff because I, I feel that esports, even though in some ways, I don't want to say it's, I don't want to really say the word immature, but um, there there is still a little bit of development that has to be done in certain aspects. You know, depending on which uh, you know which game or which demographic you're talking about. But when it comes to creative media, um, one thing that I realized for a lot of people, especially like in my case, is that you, it helps when you can be a little bit more than just say a photographer. Even if you're a videographer, hey, then learn some photography and stuff because a lot of these organizations now are looking for that. They don't really want to employ someone that can just take photos, especially when there's so many other people that can do it. And some of them are willing to do it for free. So if you're actually able to do videography, you know what, that's great. That actually puts you ahead of several other people that don't really have like the creative vision to be able to, to take video, edit it, cut it up together, and then make it into something that is palatable. Um, so I've actually, as you know, like I've I've dabbled in video here and there, I've obviously done videography and stuff, but to be able to do it in a way that a lot of these organizations probably say, hey, okay, you know what, like, we're going to recruit you. That's something that I decided that I'm going to, like, look into a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say that I'm I'm entirely walking away from esports, but I have decided that it's not something where I want to put all my energy into. It's just right. it's just because, um, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll be totally honest, I just feel that in some ways that... I feel that in a lot of ways and stuff, esports is kind of like a hit and miss for a lot of different people or a lot of different markets and stuff, especially in editorial. Um, and so, therefore, like it's something where I realize that I need to probably expand my network more or make it a little bit tighter because, you know, it's always about who you know. And it's important to actually know the right people. But at the same time, I want to actually take what I'm doing and I just want to diversify my portfolio a little bit more. So really what I'm saying in English and stuff is that I'm just not going to always just focus 24-7 on just esports like I've been doing for a couple of years. Um, I want to actually get more into uh, wedding photography. So I actually did some networking of a person that uh, he does uh, he does rub shoulders with people like in Hollywood and TV. And um, just recently he actually did like a, a, a nice little... Uh, soiree if you want to call it and stuff whatnot and mm. got a, a bunch of people that are creative media uh creative media people you know photographers and uh people that actually uh do like wedding planning and whatnot and i've always been intrigued with that i was just like man you know it'd be really great to get more into that uh because it's just another opportunity to you know to make an income um now as far as my involvement with esports as a whole yeah i'll still do it here and there but if i'm still going to be managing like my nine to five um, I feel really fortunate that I've been able to go to Evo and I will probably, um, well, not probably and stuff, but I am actually going to another event, uh, this coming week back up in Texas. I'm going to end up going to absolute battle. Um, so I'll basically do some photography here and there, but they've actually asked me 
to help like behind the scenes in a sense like in terms of like uh you know running the brackets and stuff and i'll do like a little bit of photography here and there but i'm um i'm probably just gonna lay low in terms of editorial i, I just decided i was like you know what i'm in, in some ways i'm kind of like burnt out <laughs> oh yeah you know? i mean it's you know you were you were hustling for a really long time yeah you know so i've um you know it's good and stuff after that to just to um how can I put it in stuff? Because I, I, at the same time, I really want this to be inspirational and stuff. It's, it's important just to take a step back and to really reflect not only from where you've been, but to where you, where you want to go. So if mm-hmm. a lot of goals when I sat there and the modem is just short end, I just said, okay, well, in terms of my skill set, really, where do I want to develop that? And one of the big things I decided was that I should find other ways to, to branch out. And I have to be able to do that without just relying on esports alone to be opportunity. So I've been trying to work with some people that work locally. You know, like I said, I mentioned the wedding things. I have another person that is doing, uh, um, he's involved like a martial arts and stuff. And he actually has like networks of people that are connected to ESPN and such. And, you know, they travel and he has sponsors and stuff. So, you know, I've been talking to him about doing things. Um, he actually has two events that's coming up like in the, within the next quarter. So I just looked at it as, you know what, that's a that's a great way of getting my name out there, but in a different way that I haven't done before. And much like we were just talking about PvP Live and stuff, it's important to, you know, especially when you have, um, like, these moments in your life and stuff where whether they're, uh, you know, there's a stumbling block or, you know, like, things just don't work out, to just find ways to just continue to move forward or to, to pivot and say, okay, how can I, how can I still stay creative? How can I still stay active? You know, where my passion and stuff can continue to grow. So that's really what what I'm what I'm doing right now. I remember talking to one of our mutual friends about, you know, like the brand. I was just like, yeah, you know what? I'm not I'm not planning on launching any brand just yet and stuff because I feel like when you do a blog and you get like an IP and, and such. You know, unless you have the time to sit there and do it like Monday through Friday, or even if it's two, three days a week and stuff, it's still time. You know, it's still a lot of time you have to dedicate to that. Oh, yeah. And um, and I feel because I've just done it so long, I feel that I probably should do it a little bit differently. Maybe instead of just doing, you know, just focusing so much on actual literal words, maybe I'll look into streaming at some point. You know, perhaps I'll look into exploring that and stuff. It's just that I don't want my time to be wasted. You know, if I'm going to, oh, if, right. if I'm going to do something, as you know, personally, you know, haven't known me for so many years and stuff, I want to be able to put in 110%. And a lot of these, Absolutely. a lot of these things require you to, to put in, you know, a certain degree of time in order for you to have a really solid polished product. I don't want to put something out there. It's almost like doing a script where if the script is not really that polished and stuff, it have, if it hasn't, you know, been properly screened and going through rewrites and stuff where it's ready to say, well, let's take us to the next phase, then it, it just it still needs to stay on the writing board. And so that's where I really feel like some of this some of these other things that I wanted to do um before uh basically just needs to be reassessed before I just say, Oh well let me just let me just go launch another blog, you know, just like that. And then after I do it, I was like, hey, I don't really have the time for that. And then now I've wasted money on hosting. I wasted money on you know, getting people to go there and get the readership and, and such. So I'm just like, you know what? I just I just need to keep things consolidated. So, yeah. you know, fortunately, PTB Photo, you know, which I know we talked about, put that back before, and that's what it's short for, as you know. Um, that's worked well for me. And stuff. it still allows me to, to work with a number of tournament organizers 
and say, hey, look, you know, do you need a photographer? Yes, we do. Okay, great. I can go out there and I can do that. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's something where I wanted to just expand the brand a little bit more and be able to show people, uh, do what my friend calls like slices of life. So having something like wedding photography is great. You know, doing business headshots, that's great too. Someone's like, hey, I have a video. Or I have like a, uh, um, you know, some audio and I need someone to put video to that. You know, that's something right. that I can basically do. So it's just be able to expand your skill set or just just recognizing where there's a need for it and then saying, hey, can I deliver that service and just commit to that? So that's that's what I'm basically looking to do. Well, that is a ton of great insight and a ton of great advice, I think, for anyone that's you know looking to get into media or esports or just kind of you know, get better at what they do. You yeah. know, stay versatile, yeah. stay, uh, you know, stay committed. So, yeah, Chris, that about does it for my questions. Are there any shout outs you want to give before we sign off here? Shout outs. Man, that feels so old school now to say that. <laughs> oh, that's still, that's that's like, that's the fighting game. That is the fighting game. Me. Like, I, I have to end every every episode with shout outs. Yes. That's, that's just, that's how it is, you know? Yes. Um, it never stops. I mean, th- like, there are, there are numerous people out there. So, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to position like this where I want to thank, Anybody and everybody that's ever supported me and stuff. So a lot of y'all know who you are, um, but just just people in like in no natural water, you know that that includes like numerous tournament organizers that I work with. That does include everybody from Biggie to uh, Jabali to um, Panda, uh, Biffu, Spooky, Art. You know, like those guys and stuff. They've always been supportive. Then you have a number of players. You know, a lot of them are actually now represented on numerous organizations. So, you know, just to break it down in region, you know, like just, you know, I have so much love and appreciation for people, not only in my former hometown in Texas, you know, I still have love for people over in the East Coast. Definitely know people over in Florida, know a couple of people down like over in the West Coast, you know, like fortunately, like one thing about doing the photography and, and before that, doing a videography is it allowed me to connect with a lot of people. So I, I don't really have like a like like a bias to a particular coast, like because I've connected with so many people, not even just in the U.S., but even abroad. So that yeah. that includes people like, you know, Shen and includes guys like my man, uh, Roman Mono, uh, Mono PR from, from First Attack and, you know, Ryan Hart, you know, Big Bird. Uh, my partner in crime over internationally, Stephanie Lindgren, my other partner in crime, Lee, who's down in Florida. I mean, the list goes like on and on and stuff, you know. And then I got new people I've connected with and stuff. They're looking to do their thing, um, like uh, Ginny Lou. You know, she's looking to do her thing over at PAR. And mm-hmm. then you got guys over at uh, Flipside. So, yeah, we would be here all day. So that's why that's why it's just easy just to say, hey, shout-outs to all of y'all who've ever supported me because the appreciation – and the love that you all showed me, not only when I was still representing PTB, both in the editorial capacity, but even when I moved on to PVP Live. And then after that, like, you know, that's just from the bottom of my heart, that really does mean a lot. And hopefully whatever next new project that I end up doing, I hope that you all will continue to support that. But even then and stuff like whatever things that I end up doing, it's just it's great to be able to see a lot of people when I go to events and, um, and yeah, just, just basically just having that love and that, that support. That was a beautiful set of shout outs. <laughs> Thank you. Man. Could, could not have said it better myself. <laughs> uh, and yeah, speaking of uh, people supporting you, if, if you want to support Chris, you could follow him on Twitter at Bonism. Is that correct? That is correct. 
B-A-H-N-I-S-M. And uh, yeah, you could check out his pictures at ptbphoto.org. And if you just follow Chris on Twitter, you're going to see awesome pictures. That's just kind of how it works. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, definitely, yeah, definitely how it works. <laughs> Chris, it was so awesome catching up. Um, I'm so excited to see what you do next and uh definitely hope to see you soon either at an event or uh you know maybe we'll uh maybe we'll work on some project together some somewhere down the line yeah man that'd, but that'd be great man i'm uh i'm always around for sure uh so once again thanks so much for hopping on thanks and to all you guys listening at home this has been people playing games you can follow us on twitter at ppg podcast you can follow me on twitter at mike andronico you can find our podcasts on your service of choice, iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, just about everywhere else. So really appreciate you guys listening. As always, keep on playing. Take care, guys.